0: The Theonauts, episode 26. The one where we pick up sticks.
1: The Theonauts podcast.
2: Christian news from around the globe.
1: In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Theonauts, theonauts. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter.
2: Explore the vast reaches of God's word.
1: Hello, all you
0: Theolites. Hey, Theolites, how you doing out there?
1: This is David Gaddy. I'm
0: Jeremiah Orr, and together we are the the Theo Knots. Man, I'm sucking down a uh, strawberry banana smoothie from your store and loving it, David.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. But
0: it's probably not good for my phlegm.
1: Well, that's why we do it above the coffee shop. That's so right. That I can coerce money out of you. Yeah,
0: that that works. <laughs> You've gotten a lot of. I should have an open tab here and just pay it off <laughs> at the end of the month. But so, uh, how you feeling? A little bit better. A little bit better. I was I was sick over starting Wednesday and uh that's why we're doing this a day late so uh and a dollar short. But uh yeah, Wednesday night after youth I went home and I was like shivering and had the fever. And you know, I don't know if you knew this, but the Ebola app, Ebola Ebola Everybody running for the hills, it's the <laughs> Ebola outbreak. Yeah, the Ebola outbreak is close to home
1: in Dallas. So uh so I'm like, some uh, guys in hazmat suits, yeah, just converged on your house. That's right. They're on like, the youth room. <laughs> <laughs> then, Sir,
0: you're gonna have to strip. <laughs> give us your clothes. We're gonna give you a chemical bath. That's what they said. Like, no. And you're like ET. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Ouch. <laughs> ET, man, that's a good movie.
1: Jeremiah, go
0: home. Seriously, oh, it was uh, it was bad. But you know, I uh, spent all day yesterday watching zombie movies uh which was fun uh, and have a song stuck in my head now that's the all we want to do is eat your brain song <laughs> and i can't get it out of my head wow it just keeps going over and over again so that's been my my weekend how how have it's, you been doing dude
1: well good I, I just got the studio all revamped here yeah it's fancy so we're sitting here with new mics and we're high techified and so It doesn't improve the professionalism of our engineering, (laughs) but hey, we've got fancy new equipment to work with. It makes us
0: feel like we're more important and that's all that matters,
1: right? Yes. So yeah, that's all cool. And uh, we're going to be, I've also got a little webcam up in here. Yeah.
0: I can see myself. Yeah. So uh, I need to lose some weight again.
1: Yeah. Right now we're not streaming, but I need to get that, uh, (laughs) get that going so that we can. We're not streaming? Not, well, not on the internet. So I
0: flex my muscles for nothing. No. Uh, no one can
1: see you but you. Bummer.
0: Can you see the back of my head?
1: Yeah. So, so yeah. I'm setting in profile. Can you see the back of my head? I can. And or your beautiful like, beard. Yeah. Oh. Which is
0: getting bigger and bigger, by the yes. way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All smart men must have uh, beards.
2: Oh,
1: so you know what, one thing we didn't talk about last week? What? That I wanted to, to talk about. You and I went to a concert we did go to a concert i forgot all about that (laughs) and and i was gonna get your your feedback dude on on the concert
0: okay so these this is my this is my entire thought process as we walked in it started out at the beginning of the night oh this is cool this is cool now we went to it was a for today concert Mm -hmm. with a bunch of different bands gideon was there and and a ton of other bands I'd never heard of.
1: Being as an ocean yesterday yesterday. today.
0: Yeah. The, and they're all, uh, I guess you'd call them screamo? Metalcore. Metalcore, okay. That's the technical term, metalcore. They do scream, though. Yeah. So I'm used <laughs> to... Non, non-metalcore, non non screamo <laughs> kind of music, uh, you know. I, praise and worship. Praise and worship. I John Denver it from time to time, you know. <laughs> well, rock they, on.
1: And, well, these are <laughs> primarily, they were all Christian bands. Right. They're pretty much, they're all well, Christian bands. Like, we, as, as far as that goes. Yeah. <laughs> like we talked about, can a band really be Christian? Exactly. That? They
0: have a Christian message. Exactly. And, I mean, it's a, it's a, you, there's no way around it, Christian message, most of these bands. Yeah. And so that was really awesome. It's a
1: hardcore
0: Christian message. Yeah.
1: So we pull up to the... (laughs) Satan, you're going down.
0: Exactly. We pull up to the place, and uh, there's a line outside the door, and I'm looking at the place. I'm going, all right, this is interesting. I get inside, and there's a bar, and uh, people are ordering drinks on this side while people are listening to songs about Jesus on the other side. (laughs) I'm going, wow, this is amazing. This is what I thought. At the beginning of the night, I'm like, this is so awesome because these bands are actually going out into into the world Mm -hmm. to preach the message of Jesus. Right. And they're not ashamed of it or afraid of it. And at at one part in the night, I had Dylan take my picture, right? Mm -hmm. But he took my picture, and behind me was a neon flashing beer light. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And at first, I'm like, put that up on Facebook. And then I thought... Hmm, don't put that up on Facebook because uh I don't want some old lady in my church to go, I saw your picture at that bar. You've been out drinking and <laughs> next thing you know, taking I'll have the to move in with there. David, yeah. So uh
1: <laughs> Jeremiah's taking all those youth people to the bar. That's right. Yeah.
0: So it's a it was a really awesome experience for me. The music itself was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't know if I can really get into it as much as some people, but uh, I I definitely think it was pretty awesome. So.
1: Yeah, the the thing that I like about it is just the power in the in the the lyrics and how strongly they're delivered. And oh yeah, and the whole thing with with it being a light in the dark place. Mm-hmm. So like, there's lots of people that were there that are not Christian, right? right? I mean, oh, it, yeah. these are bands that when you sing that type of music, or you know, perform that type of music, you draw. A a group in, regardless of the lyrics that you're right. singing. So so they have like a lot of people that are coming in there that just aren't. They don't they don't they're not church goers. Right. And so, but the message is so right there in your face. Oh yeah. I and,
0: mean they're they're saying I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you know you're cutting. I don't know if you know you're you're addicted to alcohol or drugs or struggling in you know a relationship or whatever but Jesus is the answer he is the way he's the only yeah. way and i mean they repeated that over and over and over again and for today their music is so powerful as far as just becoming the army of christ storming the gates of hell we are not afraid mm-hmm. uh, to fight and right. and that is uh it's just a beautiful thing so
1: well and they preach as almost as much as they sing, you know, and, right. and I loved his message at the very, very end after the encore. It's like, okay, you wanted me to hang around. I'm going to talk. Right. <laughs> and he got up there and he had a message for the Christians in the crowd. Right. And I thought that was really needed because what he said was it, this ain't about making Christians feel good. He was like, it's not like you come in here and you, and you go away going, Oh, that was a cool band. Blah, blah, blah. He said, you have a mission. I'm charging right. you. With a mission tonight, right. we're only five guys on the stage. This is commissioning service. We yep. can't change right. Fort Worth, Texas. That's where you live. Yeah, this is your job. You leave here and Amen. you go tell everybody else. And I thought, wow, that that's that's, that's what good. Christian concerts should be doing is <laughs> driving that? people into. The word And, that's right. and, and, and so I, I just thought that was really cool.
0: Excuse me. I'm going to cough throughout this thing because I'm still getting over it. So hopefully David so. doesn't catch anything while we're sitting here. But, hey, man, that's, that's good. So anyways.
1: Well, we need to get Brendan's uh, death catcher.
0: Oh, yeah. so Definitely. <laughs> the death catcher, Brendan.
1: So, okay. Um, so do you have any news for us? I do.
0: And now the news. Well, it uh it's been week one for the left behind
1: movie since the left behind movie
0: has come out. Woohoo. That's right. <laughs> so excited.
1: I looked at the tomato meter. How do they do? Two <laughs> oh. percent.
0: That may be the <laughs> worst rotten tomato score I've ever heard. A two percent. You know, uh and climbing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, guess how much they grossed at the box office this week mm, How much oh man, it's bad. They were just above this is where I leave you. this is where I leave you was at four point one million. They were six point three million. That's how much they grossed at the box office Wow worldwide. That's that's horrible. I, to give you a little example, Guardians of the Galaxy, which has been out since the beginning, All of summer,
1: August, right, <laughs> right, uh,
0: it grossed three point one million this week.
1: So it still gave it a run for its money. That's right, it took half of its money, and it's in dollar cinemas or whatever. <laughs> yeah, now. it's in the, the, it's the discount even,
0: cinema. Exactly. So. Uh, Ouch! Ouch! Yeah. Sorry, Nicolas Cage. Left behind, people. But, and here's the the interesting thing. I I read a synopsis of the movie. Uh-huh. It actually doesn't go into anything about the Antichrist. It doesn't go anything into anything about, um, basically the world powers and all that stuff from the first book. All it is is just the action-packed, almost a prequel to Left Behind. All it is is the the rapture itself and Nicolas Cage. Landing the plane and figuring out how to survive. Really? In the midst of the rapture. Wow. Yeah, it ends with... So they didn't even get through the whole first book? No. They they did the first couple chapters in the book. <laughs> wow. It was oh. just action-packed. So maybe they had
1: high hopes that, oh, oh we're going to make a big series out of this. Yeah,
0: well, it's going to be... And my thing was, I bet they're going, yeah, we're just going to make this all about an action,
1: mm-hmm. you know, a flick. Well, you know, in one way, it's kind of sad for me because Hollywood, at least, is trying, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like this isn't your normal low budget no Christian movie. This this was a, you know a pretty big budget thing. Oh yeah, you got you know a, a, a star like Nicolas Cage, <laughs> but it's it so it's good to me that at least they're attempting you know stuff. <laughs> However, you know, like that tomato meter score that's kind of skewed anyway because oh, yeah. m- cuz most of those reviewers are going to slap any christian movie with a bad score <laughs> sure. regardless sure but uh i did read a cool little snippet about why he took the part and it was because his brother who's an adamant like over the top uh christian who he was saying dude you got to do this movie you got to do this movie and kept bugging him <laughs> <laughs> and so he went and and, wow. uh, and and looked into it, and was like, wow. "Hey, it's a kind of a cool story." So, so Nicholas
0: Cage's brother is a born again believer. Yeah, yeah, that's at least, pretty at least cool.
1: From the source that I read, I don't know how. Oh, huh,
0: that's interesting. So. Well, yeah, I just I think it's well, I think that Hollywood has figured out. Um uh, well I mean you can look how many big budget Christian movies have come out in the past year. Mm-hmm. They've figured out and not only that but Exodus is coming out soon. Wow, which
1: looks really I know, good.
0: amazing. The mm-hmm. King David stuff's coming out and so I'm just I'm really excited about all that and um I mean but Ridley Scott versus you know I'm just come on dude. That's going to be an awesome movie. So anyways, it's really interesting that Hollywood is getting behind these finally uh, I guess you could call them Christian films, films with a Christian method, method, message. That's, right. I think, what we're going to stick to because <laughs> uh, it works. But um, I think it's interesting, but it's just it's kind of sad. I <laughs> I laugh every time and cringe a little bit when I think that Nicholas Cage isn't left behind, but whatever. <laughs> Anyways, that's the world I live in. Um, here's an awesome thing about the world I live in. Today, you can now hold 1,000 different Bible translations in the palm of your hand. You, YouVersion Bible app has gotten up to 1,000 translations. Now. Wow. Isn't that is awesome? It, is that,
1: that's not, not all English, right?
0: No, that's, yeah. uh, that is... Uh, is Haitian Creole in there? I, I believe so. There's actually a ton. To pull um, that down. Uh, seven out of ten of the world's inhabitants can now read the Bible in their own language thanks to... You version that's cool, seven out of ten, but that uh, it's also let's see, yeah, 80% of the world's languages are still missing. So, mm. think about that: seven out of ten can can read the Bible, but there's Bible, a bunch of languages, but there's that still a bunch of languages only
1: a few people speak. That's right. Well, see, in Haitian Creole, fits that right? That's the only place it's spoken. There are Creole speaking countries and other places, but but it's not the same dialect. And, uh, from what I hear, India is cram packed full of dialects. Wow. Yeah. And they said like, um, um, mission work in India is really difficult because of that, because you can learn one dialect in one area of India, you travel to another and they really don't understand you much. So
0: that's interesting, yeah, and and so of course you know we're trying to do that, but I just think it's awesome and actually kind of scary to me because we're gonna be, I believe again we're gonna be held to a higher accountability because of this, but <clears throat> I'll just read you the blurb from Christianity Today. It says the U version U version Bible app downloaded more than one hundred and fifty million times, now offers one thousand Bible translations. And Spanish is far from the second most used language after English. Uversion broke the quadruple digit threshold after Wycliffe Bible translators provided access to its Bible translation for about 5,000 HDI speakers who predominantly reside in the mountains of Cameroon and in parts of neighboring Nigeria. Other rare languages reached through, reach through Uversion's app include um, Hillacher. Uh, two thousand speaking ch uh, Chile, uh Samoan and AMA, four hundred and eighty speakers in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> pa, 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 pa. It's uh it's unprecedented in history having so many Bible versions in the palm of your hands, something we never imagined was possible even a few years ago, said U versions Bobby uh Gwendola in a statement. The milestone wouldn't be possible if not for Bible translations uh, translators and more than 150 publishers, Bible societies and organizations have collaborated with Uversion. version. So the, the chief one in that being Wycliffe Bible translators, which is amazing organization, by the way, go check them out on the website on their website. But basically uh, I actually have a, a friend of mine who's going to um, Oklahoma Baptist university and he's studying linguistics because he wants to become a missionary Bible translator uh, for Wycliffe. Really? And, yeah. Wow, that's cool. Wycliffe is an awesome organization that gets all these people, th- and their whole goal is to translate the Bible into every language on earth. And of course, they have a long ways to go yet, but it's really exciting to see that now we can have a thousand different trend- Can you imagine walking up to somebody, uh, I don't know, in France and g- going, I, I want to share with you the message of Jesus, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> and all le long du <laughs> yeah exactly my Texas accent
0: <laughs> that's really good by the way I'm pretty impressed by that hello we 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 don't.
1: we just can't get away from our silly voices <laughs> can we <laughs> no
0: so uh yeah art nice um <laughs> but it'd be really cool to be able to you know <clears throat> click John 316. And hand it over to that guy, right, yeah. and have him read it right there. And that I just think that's amazing. So, well, awesome job, and that conversion. can
1: really help uh, break the language barrier. Because you know, one of the things that we that we were doing with some of the people in Haiti when we didn't know, you know, we couldn't speak with the people that didn't know English, right? We we would have the Bible, and we could actually kind of figure out. <laughs> we could point at a word and say, "What is that?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's pretty neat. Um,
0: And the last thing I have is kind of like a, re- a really sad thing, but kind of awesome at the same time. A pornographic uh, website has launched a national a- ad campaign. Pornhub has lost, launched a national ad campaign. It's the first time in history that they've gotten so big that they put up a billboard in Times Square. Wow. Pornhub put
1: up a billboard. Well, so it used to be... The Dirty Little Secret. Right.
0: And now it's it's widely accepted. They did, they did this national ad cam- campaign. What they did was they asked um, subscribers of Pornhub to send in thoughts for ads that wouldn't be graphic in nature that they could send out to a wide-based audience. And mm-hmm. the one they put up in Times Square is disgusting when you think about it. But what it is is just... A guy or uh, a pair of hands putting up a heart around the Pornhub website symbol, and it says "All you need is hand." Wow! <laughs> and it went up in Times Square in New York City, not to millions of people
1: to yeah. see. It's disgusting, but it that's got not overly surprising. Given it isn't the state of things,
0: that's right. It's. Um, It's becoming more and more a trend, uh, a worldwide acceptance, um, especially our culture in America, an acceptance of pornography as a normal thing now that everybody's doing. it. It's a normal way of life. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they're doing is they're basically lying. If anybody wants to hear our take on that go back to i forget what episode it was yeah we're really bad about keeping track of our we are we need our to express that
1: discography and, i don't know what you call it.
0: <laughs> go back in the archives yeah go it, search our whole web page there's one that talks about pornography <laughs> and we give you a pretty good take in it but basically it feeds a pandemic of sex slavery mm-hmm. and anyways but the cool thing <laughs> was there was so much opposition that it came down within a day
1: Ah, well, that's good. Yeah,
0: the um the people who owned the building. Mm-hmm. Now the building is a different owner than the the uh, right,
1: right. Of course, so the, it's the like the sign. What? That's right. So the sign people <laughs> so gave like...
0: Pornhub the ability to go ahead and put up the sign, and the people who own the building, which happened to be DoubleTree Hotel. <laughs> Went to the sign people and said, listen, you take that down right now or you're going to go to court. This is not going to be okay. And so they, the billboard people had to go to Pornhub, and Pornhub said in their public statement, well, they said it was all right. They got permission. And uh, Doubletree wouldn't make a comment on it, but they were pretty ticked off uh Talk that, to the wrong guy there.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> that it even went up. So uh it did come back within a day or come down within a day, but um well, this, it, this at
1: least there's a little bit of faith in humanity left. Right. So but but the thing is, yeah, if we get if if guys will get behind this, you Christian guys, we're talking to you, will stop supporting this right. stuff. I mean, the percentage of people who label themselves Christians, call themselves Christians, mm-hmm. Is a huge number. Yeah. And we're consumers of porn.
0: That's right. right?
1: So stop That's. I mean, that's the, you know, uh, a lot of people um, will talk about the hypocrisy mm-hmm. and, and it's true. Uh, I mean, we'll condemn uh, porn, but then turn around and consume it. Right. So it's, it's like, if if, if we want this to stop, you got to, it's supply and demand. Right. You got to stop feeding it. Well, and, uh, uh you know
0: we are the issue that's the whole thing right right it's not them Quit pointing Le- your finger at them they're right. just they're just a, they're just they're godless just people suppliers. supplying a need that's right if there were no need there wouldn't be a supply exactly and so that's that's the way it works but um that's pretty much all i have in the news for today all
1: right well guess what Woo! all right <laughs> well in addition to voicemail uh I've also been neglect in feedback. Oh no. in 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 sharing some feedback. So, I'm going to go back a month. A month? <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got a couple here that uh that I have never shared but I thought was was cool that uh people have left comments on our um I don't know if it was iTunes or Stitcher Radio, one of one of those. Okay. But uh <clears throat> some friends of mine actually uh, Seth and Lauren Pinson. Cool. Uh, who um, I officiated their wedding. Oh, it was, wow. Yeah, it, was, it was actually really cool. I, and, guys, um, if you're listening, I'm sorry again. I got your last name wrong. <laughs> it's, it's, In the wedding? Yes. Oh, David. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> their last name is Pinson. How embarrassing. Okay. Oh. Uh, just a, a a couple of months earlier. Where's the epic fail button? Yes, yeah, big time. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: a couple of months earlier, I had officiated a, a wedding of mutual friends of uh-huh. uh, them and and me, and their last name was Pennington. Okay, so that was for whatever still stuck in my mind, and so instead of saying Pinson I said Pennington again, <laughs> <laughs> and both of them turned around and looked at me like, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry. <coughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so, But at least they're still friends. They haven't like uh, disowned me or anything. That's good. That's good. And they were kind enough to leave some feedback. So it says, this is a great podcast covering fun stuff, news, world events, and theology. This is a podcast that I really needed. It's engaging and really reinforces our relationship with God and the world around us. There's a couple great-minded hosts that have down-to-earth conversations touching on fun things, culture, events, scripture, and how these things affect us in our relationship with God. I've been binge listening, and I found myself (laughs) getting engaged with the conversation and wanting to bring up a point. This podcast has really in-depth con- conversing. Awesome, and a story from a, from scripture I couldn't recall. Lo and behold, David and Jeremiah come around, covering what I was wanting to express, and cover it from a different angle with more depth, and then compound on digging deeper, following scripture along the path. This podcast is fun and has some great company, good conversation, good news, and good teachings. This provides some good healthy company.
0: Wow, that's awesome! So that was thank you very so much, good, guys. Thanks a lot, goodness,
1: uh, Seth and Lauren. And then um, <clears throat> this one, the username here is Apartment Three Four Two. They say I stumbled on this podcast last night. I've already listened to the first two podcasts, and I'm trying hard to be patient and listen to every one or listen to one every day. I don't want to run out of podcasts to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> this is really great stuff, guys. It's just as good as any sermon you would you would listen to in church or Sunday on Sunday. In some cases, even better because it's relevant and there's strong life application.
0: Wow, it's awesome!
1: Looking forward to future bro- podcasts. So. Awesome! Yeah, thank That's, you for the feedback. Yeah. It just lets
0: us know that you know what we're doing is you know su- uh, substantial. And, yeah. and, and
1: and we're awesome, not so. we're not going to filter this stuff. I mean, if you tell us, hey, you stink and royally, <laughs> then uh, we'll share that as well. I'll, I'll blame so, David, and we'll go on. So okay, so now we got some voicemail here.
2: Hello, Theo Masters. This is Bridget from Finding Christ in Cinema, <laughs> not using a crazy theatrical voice. Huge fan, (laughs) long-time listener, first-time caller. I have just a couple of words, or 451 words to be exact, on episode 25, What is Heaven? (laughs) Now, just to get the sidebar out of the way, I share your discontent with some of the, quote, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs of generations past that focus so much on flying away. Fly away, fly away, oh glory to that mansion just over the hilltop when all of God's singers get home on that unclouded day when the roll is called up yonder. My personal (laughs) discontent stems from growing up in a congregation that almost glazed over whenever these songs were sung, as if they were trying to insulate themselves from the harvest that is so plentiful. No wonder the workers are few. I know that's not the case all the time, but it sure does feel like it, especially when that's how I feel sometimes. I mainly want to expound your point on heaven being God's dwelling place and remind everyone that God actually has a dwelling place on earth. In the Old Testament, it was the temple. And when the time came, God himself would enter the Holy of Holies and dwell upon the mercy seat whenever he accepted the priest's sacrifice. And then he would return to his permanent dwelling place, heaven, when the ritual was over and i keep this in mind whenever i read paul's admonition to the corinthians i'm sure we can all quote it by memory or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god the temple is god's dwelling place on earth in both the old testament and the new testament the difference is that the old testament temple was olive wood and curtain rods The New Testament temple is the church. Not the church building, but the church of people that love God. This means that God dwells within us now the same way he dwelt in the temple in the Old Testament. And this means that we are able to feel how beautiful heaven must be while living here on earth. Of course, this is only just a foretaste of glory divine. (laughs) Thank you, Jeremiah and David, for everything you guys do, and I look forward to whenever we can actually meet up. Lord willing, it will happen in this life, but if not down here, it will definitely happen up there. SVC, BLT out. <laughs> P.S., everyone please compare Ecclesiastes 3.11 to John 17.3. Just because.
0: <laughs> That's good, man. Dude, I'm, uh, I'm so glad, Brennan, that you said uh, something about the, the dwelling place. Um, especially, I tell you what, people don't get that today. I really don't think they get it so mm-hmm. much that whenever they use that scripture, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. They're usually trying to say, "Don't smoke or don't drink." Yeah, but or what, get tattoos or get tattoos or whatever. But what they're what what that's implying is actually what Jesus implied to the woman at the well. Whenever she said, uh, "You know, our people worship on this mountain. You people worship in Jerusalem. Where's the place of worship?" And Jesus says, "Those who truly worship, the time is coming when you're not going to worship at a certain place. You're going to worship." in spirit and in truth. And what he means by that is we are the mm-hmm. dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. He's dwelling with us. And man, that is heaven on earth. Right. Amen. Yes, that was
1: exactly like spot on what we yeah. were trying to, to, to say. Let's get stuff. Um, yeah, the the more I think about it, the more it just, uh, it, it gets me how how long we have trumpeted heaven as being the goal. Instead of it being this relationship that we can have right here, amen. Right now with with God, and you're right. How beautiful heaven must be. Yes, it is beautiful, and we can see it right now. That's okay, right. so he gave us a little challenge there at the end, and, yeah. And I did some homework to at least uh, to Prepare bring us. to bring up what he, what he uh, what he mentioned. He said to compare Ecclesiastes. 3 and 11 to um, what is it? John 17, 1 through 3. So um, I'm going to read in, because I think the point that he's trying to make will come out better in the ESV. Uh, in Ecclesiastes three eleven. this is obviously the passage where, you know, for everything, there's a time, there's right. a season. So uh, at the end of that thought, <clears throat> the uh, the preacher here says... He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Okay, so he says he put eternity, eternity in into man's heart.
0: So that what?
1: Uh, Yet yet, <laughs> so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Okay. Okay, Uh, then... In John 17, uh, verse 1 through 3, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes into heaven and said, of course, this is Jesus' prayer, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, Amen. Okay, so eternal life is the knowledge of oh. knowing Him, right? So it's it's not about place, our pie in the sky. It's about knowing position that's with right. with Him. That's good, and and of course, um, in Ecclesiastes three, the term their eternity, which that's a I believe a valid interpretation of ecclesiastes three um the word is is a debated word among translators actually uh, because it um a lot of people think that it was miswritten in the original language like like he meant to say one word but he said another because they're spelt almost exactly the same just some uh notational differences modern notation and uh the reason why people say that is, like, for example, the King James uses the word world. So it says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work of God. Uh, so ESV uses the term eternity. However, uh, if you go to the NET, which is a newer translation. New English translation. Yeah. Right. It, um, and this is where I got a lot of the information is from their notes, their translation notes. They use the word ignorance. So this is a completely different spin on it. Whoa. Yeah. So they, weird. they say God has made everything fit beautifully in its appropriate time, but he has also placed ignorance in the human heart so that people cannot discover what God was, has ordained from the beginning to the end of the and
0: to me. That fits more.
1: Yeah. It just, I, I tend to think that's probably that's why we, I asked at the beginning, what, I mean, why is that again?
0: Because right. it didn't really fit yeah. to me. Eternity in their hearts, because.
1: But the point still is valid. Right. So, Absolutely. So i would totally in there I all that. Okay. So that's it for all the feedback. Yay! Christian history, part five.
0: Why do we always go to voices? Voices,
1: <laughs> uh, it's so crazy. Okay. Oh, okay. So, well, before we get started yeah. here, I gotta give a, a shout out to Ron of the Red Oaks. Hey, Ron of the Red Oaks. How's it going, there, brother? <laughs> he uh, he doesn't like our voices.
0: He can't stand them. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. You know that offended Mister Ticklebottom. I I met with him <laughs> over lunch, and he said that uh, he was very proud of his his uh short little uh blog about the rapture and uh you know if you don't like his voice then you know he'll go back <laughs> to scotland so there you go
1: i totally get where where ron's coming from there we've actually got a bunch of mixed reviews well i say bunch we've got um, ron obviously didn't wasn't a fan uh, but there's been some like crazy good feedback on it saying yeah. this is amazing i love these things you know so we'll let it simmer a little while and we'll rely on you to continue to feed back to us and right let us, and let absolutely. us absolutely and let us know so back to our topic yes on christian history yeah this, this, this should close us out where were we when we last left off well we in, we did the whole 15th no 16th century we ended, that's where uh, we ended
0: past the Reformation, right? 16th century, so 1500 to 1599. That's correct. Okay. So
1: we're going to be moving along this time.
0: Uh, I I think we should so be... So we're going to go from 1600 all the way up to 2014? Yes. Oh my Like goodness. 400 years. All from... right.
1: Fast forward. So, Hop
0: in the DeLorean, kids. Let's take which, a trip.
1: Which means we'll probably miss some stuff, but...
0: <laughs> um, that's all right. If we miss anything, especially something that you thought, you know... You wanted to hear, then you need to feed back and let us know what we're missing.
1: Yeah. So, okay, well, um, we talked about translations that yes. ties into this history thing. Right. So we're not going to belabor some of the points about Translations that we covered last time. Although, we'll mention them. Something very important happens in 1611. 1611. That's That's the first thing on my list. (laughs) What happened in 1611? The King James Version of the Bible was written. (laughs) So, yes, the King James Version was translated (laughs) in 1611. By Shakespeare. (laughs) By 47 scholars. Including Shakespeare. (laughs) No,
0: not including Shakespeare.
1: But like we said in our previous... Um, did I ever tell you about whenever I'm sorry, no, go I'm ahead. getting off topic,
0: but whenever I'm, I'm sitting in a German, we only class, have 400 years to cover. So that's right. Say. Sorry. I'm sitting in a German <laughs> class freshman year and, uh, I'm reading the Bible in, in German class. And, uh, one of my friends is like, did you know that that Shakespeare wrote part of the kingdom? I'm like, whatever. He's like, yeah, let me show you. He takes and shows me Shakespeare's name written backwards. Oh, right. (laughs) Did you ever read that?
1: (laughs) It's like, it's a Bible code. Yeah, it's a Bible code. He hid his name in Uh there. Uh-oh.
0: Anyway, so that's not true, though. He didn't. It just happened since, whatever. Anyways, 1611, King James Version. Yes,
1: you know, uh, King James authorizes this uh, Bible to go along with his uh, newfound religion that's there going on. um, Right. (laughs) So the Church of England and all that stuff. So um, and we gotta,
0: you know, <laughs> by this by this point, we have this thing catching on called the Pu- Pur- Purit- Puritan movement, mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah, it hadn't hit full force yet. Okay, go ahead. Where are you at? Okay, sixteen eleven. Still sorry, sixteen eleven. <laughs> so okay, King James Bible then comes Coffee hitting me. It's it's a bestseller. <laughs> yeah, it's it's everybody a, loves it. And you know, honestly, you know, one thing that the King James really did do. It helped establish the English language, right? Like grammar and people all. People used stuff. them yes. for grammar books, right? So it it uh, there were several revisions. A lot of people don't even really realize this, but there were a lot of revisions, like in sixteen twelve, sixteen thirteen, sixteen fourteen. But those revisions were all spelling and um, and, and that sort of thing. A, it wasn't like uh, they word changes, re- right? They didn't really change much. Right, they, all they did was standardized right so like it was perfectly good back then for you to spell the word book with an e at the end (laughs) and then turn around on the next page and leave the e off yield book yeah didn't you could or spell it b-o-k-e and it was it was fine to be spelled that way so they they started standardizing these words the king's english yes (laughs) that's why it became known as the king's english because of the king okay Uh, 1612 yes the very last Heretic to be burned at the stake. <laughs> Who was it? A guy by the name of Edward Whiteman.
0: Oh, that guy's a heretic.
1: Yep. He's the last guy they. Why was he fired a him up and said, "Okay, that's it. We're going to make this one big." No, I, <laughs> no. The, um, this you start seeing this form of, of of theocracy going away, right? And 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 so this was kind of the start of that. Uh, well,
0: people would just didn't Didn't want to have that whole war mentality of killing people over religion anymore. <laughs> right. Although <So>. that still, <laughs> oh happens. yeah, it did. But um, but it was passe a little bit. He was an Anabaptist, radical Anabaptist, I guess. Yeah,
1: and uh, you know those guys and those Anabaptists. So in in 1618, <laughs> we have the synod the the synod of Dort. Now this was. Um, about Arminius, or uh, oh, yeah, Arminius, that, that, who that guy? He was very anti-Calvinist. So John Calvin and Arminius went head to head on. Now he was a Calvinist; I mean, uh, in the same camp, right? You know, and they just had this big difference of opinion about uh, predestination and right. For, for Arminius believed
0: and, it was foreknowledge, not predestination. In other words, uh, well, Calvin believed he, you know, God actually selected. Mm-hmm. predestined arminius took the view of more of uh that
1: election happened through foreknowledge. yeah
0: it just happened because he knew about it right he know, knows what's going to happen so it's not about election it's not like god plans every little it's not
1: like which he, way picking and choosing right. it's more about accepting what the free will was going to already do right so well but and but there was a there's a deeper thing going on there too because, you know, whenever you go against something, it's like you want to go all the way against it. Yeah. It's like even though there may be some truths in there that, that you know, you could agree with. But no, because that guy believes that. No, none of it can be right. So, like, the total depravity thing gets totally wiped out. Oh, uh, yeah. Arminius went just complete oh, op- yeah. opposite. So By the time it was
0: done, there were he- two huge camps. Here. Yes, yes. Okay, and to to this day, we label it are you a Calvinist or are you an Armenian to right. this day because right. of this dude, Armenian and Calvin. Right. And so, you know, and, people, and, it, and
1: you don't have to be one or the other. No,
0: you don't. I'm, I'm not either. Yeah. Well,
1: I'm very close, but not either. so, <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'm probably square in the middle between the two of them. I don't because I'm I'm definitely not. We wor- should
0: totally do a Theodots on free Oh, wow. That one might blow us up. It might.
1: <laughs> OK, <laughs> moving along. <laughs> 1633, we have something, a very important thing that happens. A man is charged with heresy, but does not get burned at the stake. A, a, na- a man by the name of Galileo. Oh, yeah. Galileo that's right Uh, now Galileo was an astronomer wait time out are you going to
0: jump over John Bunyan I guess I did oh 1628 John Bunyan writes throw it out there the pilgrim's Pilgrim's Progress." progress awesome book yeah, beside the Bible, best-selling Christian book of all time, mm-hmm. Pilgrim's Progress. an amazing book. You ought to go check it out. It's the yeah. story of Christian and his journey. Now, some people speculate it's allegory. I say it. He took it straight from the Bible, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, yeah. great read, so check that out. It, but anyway. It is an
1: amazing book. That's right. Um, okay, so 1633, yeah, Gal- Gal- Galileo. Galileo. back to Galileo. There was some controversy over... Theology and astronomy and philosophy and it all culminated into a trial sentencing him and uh, on suspicion of heresy yes now here's his main thing uh, he was backing Copernicus right uh, the, Copernicus had made the statement that uh, that the the solar system was heliocentric meaning the sun, sun was in the center. middle, middle yeah. of it center of it and uh, which we now know is correct actually right well, there are some people, there are some weird people out there that are still earth centric. Are you serious? Yeah, it's really weird. But, uh, I think so, it. <laughs> oh my God. So, anyway, um, we don't want your science. <laughs> <laughs> blinded me. <laughs> it's science. So, uh, <laughs> the great. thing is, uh, who knows why this was heresy? I mean, I, the Bible doesn't say the earth is the center of the universe, it doesn't say that. <laughs> So, but people thought that it did. Some of the wording, right? The, the way they understood it, the way they interpreted it, sure. They, they believed that the Earth taught, or that the, the Bible taught the it's Earth, the Earth was a center, and um, it it actually doesn't really teach that. Right. But um, they thought it did. So they were like, "Well, you you're hanging on that Copernicus heresy." Yeah. And uh, so anyway, he actually cowed down before them in all of this oh, yes yeah. Yeah, so he'd be back
0: down he's like i don't want to die over this but you guys <laughs> are like, wrong
1: <laughs> like uh here you can use my my telescope
0: if you want to run around blind
1: and pretend to be ignorant go ahead Six, okay now 1640 through the late 1600s yeah. this is going to be the what's what's conventionally called the english separatist movement yes those separatists yeah um so what do you know about that time frame
0: oh my goodness well, this is the beginning of the Puritan movement
1: the it? Puritans right. what were Puritans <laughs> what is were they pure uh no they just <laughs> pretended to be <laughs>
0: and they would they would uh burn you at the stake if you weren't
1: well let's see if I recall I believe the Puritans were um breakers off of the Church of England right so they they wanted to get away from liturgy right, and this sort of thing. So the church of England had, remember had split off away from Catholicism. Right. Uh, because the King didn't want to cow down to the popes. So basically the separatists
0: or the Puritans were the, <clears throat> the English version of the Protestants that was hap- that were happening in, in Germany and all, you know, the four forerunners, the Protestant reformation. Uh, they were also extremely Calvinistic. Um, so they they had that that god um the glory of god. sovereignty, yeah, the sovereignty of God was right. at the center of everything they did they uh this was when westminster the Westminster confessions were founded mm. Westminster Abbey all that was uh like this was the uh the founding of the west- yeah the whole that movement well
1: the, the well the idea was let's get back to pure religion without all the liturgy, without all the catechisms, you know, and all that sort of thing. So uh, now what you may or may not know is that when here in America, whenever we do our little uh, Thanksgiving parties and we dress up as pilgrims, (laughs) those are Puritans. That's right. (laughs) The Puritans did a pilgrimage from England to the Americas. Why was that? And uh to escape all this non pure <laughs>
0: Well they consider it religious persecution because right. everybody else is Church of England and here they are. We're <laughs> the Puritans. So they saw the the New World or you know, the United States eventually became the United so States. So they so they did as
1: freedom. They did the same thing a lot of Christians do <clears throat> escapism instead of trying to be a light That's in a right. dark
0: place. Instead of, you know, changing everything they, they escape. <laughs> um Presby's Come out of come out of this movement, don't they? Uh,
1: uh, well, the Presby's actually predate uh, uh, this that's right. because they can that's they, right. they they were already always all the way back into the 15s. That's right. That's right. So, uh, but I always get these mixed up. I'm, but from everything I've seen so far, it looks like all trails from the Baptists lead. Oh, yeah. To this movement, yeah.
0: So, John Smith, yeah. Um, and I looked. <laughs> uh, I looked him up a little bit. Basically, the Baptist, uh, the Puritan movement, and it's really this almost the same decry of the Baptist today. Autonomy for every church is yeah. their, their belief. And basically what it was was John Smith uh, was an English Puritan or separatist, and he founded the Baptist movement, which was um, the only one thing that he was like very essential. Well, there were two things. Full immersion baptism for adults not Mm -hmm. children right so kind of like the anabaptists yeah that was their big thing exactly and then also salvation is by grace through uh through faith that was it right everything else they could be autonomous on so how do you want to run your they they also believed there were basically two holy um uh positions in the church uh, pastors and deacons, got gotcha. that. Um, but everything else, uh, it was, it's, you run it autonomously. That was their whole idea. So they didn't want, you know, they didn't have this high, high church thing. No one church was bound no to another church. Bishops. There was no archbishops. There was no cardinals, none of that. And so, uh, you know, yeah, the, so the John Smith movement, uh, came out of, uh, the, uh, um, the Puritan movement, yeah, and with. I
1: think the Presbyterians were also like modernized. I mean, this was like this is more of where modern Presbyterianism right uh, came from. Right. Well, a, a lot of the um, the Pres Presbies, I
0: think Methodists kind of no, they're later. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay, so Presbies uh, um, and Baptists, I guess, are kind of. <laughs> Right there. Right. Presby's are the ones, originally Presby's were the ones that really held on to the Calvinist bent. Right, right. And
1: still bapt, and baptized infants.
0: That's right. Yeah. And then the Baptists were the ones that don't no! baptize infants. Yeah. And then we split off of that Calvinist movement later on. Uh, well, some
1: of us did. Okay. So, so uh, 1720. Yes. That's the Methodist revival. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so you've got a group of men, including John Wesley and his younger brother Charles. Um, they Wesleyan they started a movement within the Church of England. Uh, these young guys founded a what they called the Holy Club <laughs> and while they were at Oxford. And uh, they were accustomed to receiving communion every week, fasting regularly, abstaining from most forms of amusement and luxury. When is this again, by the way? When? Yeah. 1720-ish. That's right, that's right. So this would have been whenever they were young in college. Um, they were like like getting rid of all their fun. I mean, like all the luxury they were stripping themselves down to bare necessities type of thing. And they, they visited the sick and poor. They went and visited prisoners. So it's basically these college kids that were like, once again, trying to go back to roots. Right. And, and, and so, and, and they were doing like, what, uh, what's his name? Francis of Assisi. Yeah. St. Francis of Assisi. So, So, you know, the same type of mentality of, Let's strip all this down and get back to serving God and not ourselves. Right. And um, so the fellowship got branded as Methodist by their fellow students because of the way they used rule and method to go about their religious affairs. Right. So Wesley actually took the attempted mockery and turned it into a title of honor. Right. So that's and he founded
0: you know the Methodist movement now, and it's really funny. To this day, people are confused about that title, Methodism. So they think that, that you have to do a certain method in order to get to heaven. And, and that's what people uh, from my background believe about them. But it right. has nothing to do with that. It all has to do with, no, they
1: were following a rule, a code of ethics set right. down by Wesley. And, and, and so this, they term, mocked them. this term Methodist was just thrown at them, like right. like, uh, like made to make fun of them. Right, um, because they were so meth- methodical. George
0: Whitfield was a part of this, part of this crew. Um, did you say that George no. Whitfield? Yeah, and Whitfield was a, a key component in the the first Great Awakening, which
1: happens around. The time, yes, that's about it? to come up in in uh, about ten years.
0: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go
1: ahead, I'm following you. Seven, Sorry, seventeen thirty. This is the beginning of the first Great Awakening yes. in the American colonies. It's a very important part of our our church history. Okay, right so right? there were there's going to be several Great Awakenings, <laughs> right? This we, is, <laughs> no, this is the real Great Awakening. This is when we really woke we up. We really woke up this time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's there's a method to this madness, right? Uh, <laughs> the first Great Awakening um, was about moving away from liturgy. That's really the Methodist kind of started this this whole concept. Right. Let's get away from, uh, no, I'm sorry, the Puritans. Puritans. The, of getting away from right. liturgy and, and all that sort of thing. And one
0: person in particular, one Puritan pastor in particular, Jonathan Edwards.
1: Yes, yes. So they, uh, and the whole concept was to become close to Christ. Right. And so it was really focused on the church. Right. The, the First Great Awakening is all about church relationship, right. church... Uh, uh ecclesiology you know about what is what the what's the church's relationship with god and um it reshaped all the existing denominations it strengthened the new small ones like the baptist and the methodist uh it incited rancor and division between the new revivalist and the old traditionalist <laughs> who insisted on ritual and doctrine right <laughs> so there's nothing new under the sun
0: seriously so the old guys are insisting on ritual and doctrine the new guys are coming along and saying let's get no. To the, it's about Christ let's yeah, get to Christ. let's get to the central the centrality of the gospel and unify in that so that we can spread the good news <laughs> yes, and, and, and people became people.
1: passionately involved and emotionally involved with a, with a religion rather than passively listening to some intellectual discourse right in some detached mannerism right. so so it, this this has been labeled the great awakening because it had a huge impact on pretty much the whole protestant world sure
0: and it, well it had a huge impact on the colonies yes i mean more because, than well, anything that's else where it's happening right
1: is here in america and, and not only it's that america.
0: yeah america and what it did was it actually i, I believe that the great awakening i Part of me believes that if there were no First Great Awakening, there would have been no American Revolution to begin with. Mm. Um, because what what it did was it united the colonies really under this banner of that, Christ and separation.
1: That makes a lot of sense, right?
0: Yeah. And it made them say, "No, we are not about that old stuff anymore. We're not we, about
1: ruling doctrine. We're not about ruling
0: doctrine. We're not about you know King George and and all that, or King Charles and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're about you know what you know. Well, and
1: think just think of some of the myriad of thought that a lot of the founding fathers had. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, right? Jefferson was not a real active Christian, no. but you know, his whole view of Christianity was that Christ is a good teacher. Christ, Christ is a model to follow. Uh, and so he, you know, he did the famous Jefferson Bible, Jefferson Bible where he cut out every supernatural thing that was right. in the new Testament uh, to tell the story of Christ. And yeah. to be fair, he didn't do that to, to make a statement because it was his personal. He yeah. just did it for himself. He wanted to be able to read, jesus's story without the miracles yeah and but you know but the idea is this is thinking outside the box this is not what the catholicism of the of years past yeah. had been about well and it was just something it was something new and it
0: went along with the new colonies. And I think it, it led to a lot, to be honest with you, a lot of rebellion. Yes. <laughs> going, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it. <laughs> no.
1: we're, we're throwing tea in the harbor. That's right. <laughs> 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 so the first great
0: awakening happens. Now, Jonathan, Edwards. something to be said about him. Um, probably you ought to go back and just read some of his sermons. Mm-hmm. Probably some of the greatest sermons of all time. Uh, Riley, one of my students here, is just a Jonathan Edwards super fan that guy <laughs> will spend all of his time reading now did edwards have everything correct no but i'll tell you um some amazing things about edwards I, I love hearing stories about how people would walk into his study and they would see his prayer chair have you ever heard this no man he so he had a carpeted study but uh on the on the floor there he had it was it was either carpet or something but he had he had a chair, and then you saw these two spots that were just completely worn out, and it was where he would pray. daily. Like where his knees, where would, his knees would wow, rub out. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and just uh, the guy was just a, a super a super faithful follower of Christ, and I mean his sermons were so passionate that people mm-hmm. would couldn't sit during them. they had to get up and move because they were so moved by the Holy Spirit. And right. and so uh, I, you know, great guy to check out. Jonathan Edwards caused the Great Awakening, yeah, that's... and then Whitfield—they call one of the son uh, Gilbert Tennant, George Whitfield, or the Sons of Thunder, the New Sons of Thunder—they <laughs> called him. Those guys were awesome. James Davenport. So check out the Fathers of the Great Awakening because they are precursors to the Founding Fathers. But
1: anyways. right, so so you got all this going on for a while. I mean, from right the la- the most all of the seventeen hundreds. This is what's going on. This this revolutionary movement, this Great Awakening is happening. Yeah. Okay, in, starting about the turn of the century in 1800, um, we have the second Great Awakening happening. Yes. Okay, now the, the, this goes on for about— So
0: everybody fell back asleep.
1: Well, actually, no. It's a totally different <laughs> focus. So you went from 1800 to about 1840 or 1850— You're dealing with this, what has been labeled as the second great awakening. And the reason why it's, it's another awakening is because the first awakening was focused on our relationship, the Christian, the, the church, the internal workings, right? The second great awakening was focused on the lost. Yeah. It was focused on, dude, we're not doing enough. There are people out there in sin. There are people out there that don't have Christ that need Christ, let's go out and let's do something about this. Right. Okay, so all of a sudden, yes, there had been missionaries before all over the world. Uh, in fact, even during this time, uh, there are Jesuits and Catholics all in, the, in South America. I mean, there's all this stuff that's happening at this time as far as reaching out to the lost. But here, it was more grassroots, what's my neighbor believe? Right. You know, and uh, does he understand that he needs Jesus. <clears throat> so, you hear, you, you hear stories of the old tent revivals. Okay, this is where the tent revivals began. All of the, you know, of, of going out into a field and just putting right. a big old tent up. Well, a, let and, me
0: uh let me add a little bit of the precursor to the second okay, great awakening go ahead. to uh We've all heard of Harvard and Yale, right? All these Ivy League colleges. Mm-hmm. And today, they're—I mean—they're I mean, they're the Ivy League colleges. You go to Harvard, you know, you're you're something. You go to Yale. Um, few people know that they're actually birthed out of the Great First Great Awakening. Mm. Harvard was a college set down originally called Newtown, where uh, people who want men who wanted to be pastors would go to get trained. Mm. Uh, so Harvard actually its roots were um were a uh it was a christian seminary <laughs> right right yale again its roots it was a Christ, uh, christian seminary princeton all these these were these were christian seminaries um and so what's what's really interesting is uh so they're founded by these uh these christians right wow and what happens is over time they become despondent. Mm. They stop being Christian focused seminaries. Right. So part of the cry for a great awakening came from, we're losing our, Oh uh, yeah. We're losing our Christian, we're losing people to the world. Right. Christian mm-hmm. roots. And so, yeah, they started these, but it really actually started on camp on the campuses, mm-hmm. that great awakening. People would start praying every day and it always, it's crazy. It always starts with prayer. Yeah. Uh, if you ever, you can read some of these great awakening books. Um, And you can see that it always takes one guy or a couple guys starting a prayer group and saying something's wrong with our society. We've got to pray. And so they started to pray and more and more people come and pray and pray. And on these campuses, what's cool is by the end of it, you have uh, just all these people converging to come to come and meet and pray. And then you have the tent revivals and all
1: these people come and you have uh, so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I guess <laughs> you couldn't, but uh, yeah, there's uh, there's, there's this, it's just a new thought right. of, Hey, let's go to the lost. There is a, uh, there is another movement that comes out of the second great awakening in 1825. And it's what is commonly referred to as the restoration movement. Right now the restoration movement is where we get uh, the modern day churches of Christ this is, this is pretty much where their roots in how they operate today got their start. Right. Uh, so now in the, the restoration movement, it was a movement to restore the church um, through unification of all Christians into a single body patterned after the Church of the New Testament. So there's really uh, two things, two goals of the, of this restoration movement. And that was restore the church to first century practices, and the second was to unify. There's too many denominations. What are we doing with all these denominations? Let's stop being denominated. That was one of the big wow movements. Yeah. So now these uh, uh, it, it started with a guy by the name of uh, Barton Stone, right? Who who was at Cane Ridge, Kentucky. And he pulled away and started a group that he simply called Christians. He was like, "We don't need we don't need men's names <laughs> tied to the church building. We're, we're just Christians. we're Christians." And so he started this movement. And then and then over in um, Pennsylvania and Virginia, uh, which is later became West Virginia, uh, it was led by Thomas Campbell and his son Alexander Campbell. Yeah. And so now these guys, uh, they were operating under a name called the Disciples of Christ. So once again, real simple, Christian, descript- descriptive Christ. term, sure. not, not a denominational name. So they were trying to be, this is really the first non-denominational right. movement. Of course, that you know, has, has changed into something completely different sure. now. But at this time, they were, um, th- they were trying to y- unite. At least the Campbells, they were really focused on unity. They were Presbyterians, and they they came out of the Presbyterian Church with this idea: we're going to unify the Christian faiths. Right. So they had this, you know, huge grandiose, grandiose idea, idea that, yeah. that under this Second Great Awakening was a perfect time for they were holding tent meetings. Sure. They were traveling, uh, going from town to town. They united with uh, Barton Stone in 1832, and. Um, <clears throat> They, because they wanted to get rid of all their denominational labels, they started using biblical names uh, for, their, for the followers of, of, of Jesus. And so it divided into multiple separate groups, including, which is now the Church of Christ with capital C. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there are the Churches of Christ, lowercase churches, that's more, still descriptive. Huh. It's not seen as a label or a name. Right. Um, and then the Christian Church. The, these are all uh, spinoffs of this restoration. So route. the Christian church is a spinoff of the church. Wow. The same roots. I didn't know that. Yes. Same roots. And so, um, so anyway, the, there is, there's a lot of debate now because it's been splintered a million different ways now, right. even within these, these names. Uh, but there is a lot of debate about the intents of the restoration at this point. So yeah. there's because you had those two things, pattern of worship and pattern of, of, of first century pattern versus unity. What was the main movement and guys like Leroy Garrett, who's a historian now. And um, he he writes about how it was all about unity. And if, it, if you go back and you read Thomas Campbell, Alexander Campbell's sure. writings, they, they're really unity focused. That's really, uh, I think Barton stone was probably more along the lines of pattern, getting back to the pattern. So, um, so anyway, this is the roots of, of, of that. Wow. Well,
0: during this time, of, of course, a couple more famous people, you have, uh, <clears throat> uh, Charles Finney, uh, Finney, hmm. um, yeah, have Finney-ism. Uh <laughs> A lot of people don't realize that, but uh, at the end of your service, when everybody stands up and bows their heads and sings, have thine own way, Lord, right. have thine own way. And the preacher says, if anybody it, wants brother. to come down to the front and <laughs> pray, I'll meet the you altar here. Altar call. Yeah, huh? it's called the altar call. That was not a thing until Charles Finney. Mm. Finneyism. That that whole movement. And actually Finney wrote a book. He wrote a book about <laughs> I was gonna push the button, go ahead. Yeah, don't worry about it. He I'll I'll just make the noise for you. He uh he wrote <laughs> he he wrote a book about um <clears throat> how to best uh prepare people to come down to the front. All right. Um how to how to tug their heartstrings, manipulate their yes. emotions. Yes, because wow <laughs> and but the sad thing was and you look at in the first great awakening you look at the conversion rate and it was uh far less like you were talking about in mm-hmm. the second great awakening right but you look at the follow away rate after the Second Great Awakening, and it's far greater than the fall away rate at the first. Right, because awakening. they weren't grounded. Because there was no grounding. They mm-hmm. went to these tent revivals. They prayed these prayers. They figured I'm <laughs> saved, and then they went on and yeah. lived their life. So,
1: well, they lined up at the rivers and you know, <laughs> oh yeah, these massive baptisms. <laughs> right, and, like uh, uh, what's the uh, old brother? Where are they? Like, I'm saved. I'm saved. Exactly. You know he like, just goes down. <laughs> and,
0: saved from what? What are you talking about? And the, I mean. <laughs> but that was what they viewed it as back then. It was just this thing that they did. And so and it was popular. Second Great Awakening, Charles Finney. Um Charles have you talked about C. H. Spurgeon yet?
1: No, no, not not at all.
0: Uh Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh around this time, eighteen thirty four uh Spurgeon is one of he, he's called the prince of preachers. Yeah. He's over in England actually doing his uh doing his preaching a famous guy. So check out his dispensationalism. Yes, he's he's a dispensationalist. Mm-hmm. During this time dispensationalism was catching on. Right. Um and it came from uh what what's his name? Ticklebottom told me and I totally <laughs> forgot. John John Darby? Darby. Darby, that's right. Uh, dispensationalism caught on it became the, the number one movement we had, um, our first, uh, study Bible came out during this time, really. Uh, mm-hmm. the first actual study Bible, which was the, uh, you had the Darby, but you also had the, uh, Spurgeon, Spurgeon and the Schofield. Oh, right, right. Yeah. The yeah. Schofield Bible came out. And that's the one your grandmother had or your great grandmother had the, the Schofield Bible and everybody, I mean, right. this was the study so, Bible.
1: And I find it interesting to use the term and, and this will tie into how I welcomed our listeners, yeah. but you know, Finney, uh, Finneyites or whatever. Yeah. It, it seems like every movement during this time frame got labeled with whoever was leading them. So Campbellites, like, yes. So like Thomas <laughs> Campbell, Alexander Campbell, everyone sure. started calling them Campbellites. Um, you've got this guy here in 1833 uh William Miller. Yeah. William Miller is the founder of adventism uh and and he uh his followers were called millerites. <laughs> so, they so
0: really liked Miller beer.
1: They they focused on <laughs> apocalyptic teachings. Right. Uh they really were focused on the end of the world and they didn't look at unity of Christendom, uh, they weren't like all into that at all. They busied themselves with preparation for right. their second return, okay. and so uh, they they hold a lot in common with other fundamentalists, uh, but their theology differs. Whether the intermediate state is <sighs> unconscious sleep,
0: I forgot all about this, or
1: consciousness. That's right. Whether the ultimate punishment of the wicked is annihilation or eternal torment. Uh, the nature of immortality, whether or not the wicked are resurrected at, after the millennium. Uh, <laughs> whether the sanctuary of Daniel 8 refers to one in heaven or one on earth. Uh, so anyway, this is where a lot of this dispensationalist tied right. into as well, because this is end times prophecy. Everyone's focused on advent of the advent of the second coming. And um, Was so... This a-
0: I'm 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 searching this now just because okay. I gotta figure it out. Well
1: this is the roots of Seventh day Adventist. Yes. That's and what I was gonna it, ask. And it's right. also the root of the Advent Christian church. Right. Um so it, these guys are are around and this is this is where they kinda got their start, uh those Millerites. <laughs> Crazy Millerites. Okay. So in eighteen thirty six we had another movement. So there's all these movements happening in the second grade awakening. <laughs> The Holiness Movement. Yes. The Holiness Movement uh, was founded by two Methodist women, okay? Sarah Worrell Lankford and Phoebe Palmer. They started uh, the Tuesday meeting for the promotion of holiness in New York City. And a year later, Methodist minister Timothy Merritt founded a journal called The Guide to Christian Perfection. <laughs> To, pro- wow. to promote the Wesleyan message of Christian holiness. <laughs> so these are Methodists who take it a step further. right? And, and here's what's interesting. In 1837, Palmer experienced what she called entire sanctification. Complete sanctification. Yes. Wouldn't that be glorification? Yes. That was what I would call it. <laughs> so she began to lead Tuesday meetings. It's, this is a movement of women. It's really <laughs> unique. In that this whole movement was primarily women, right, the whole movement was later on they they picked up some guys well, it, gets it, it, it speed i don't but. think
0: it's so shocking because during this time the temperance movement was going on right, yeah, and, and like the women 's right to vote, all mm-hmm. that stuff was going on, and so these women were like, "I am woman, hear me roar in <laughs> the eighteen hundreds like. yeah
1: but that gets me what what kind of of, of hubris does that take to say I'm entirely sanctified it takes a woman wow <laughs> that, 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 that was a
0: joke <laughs> don't kill me I, I love you Christina, that was sorry.
1: Jeremiah or <laughs> I don't know um, so that it kind of reminds me of L. Ron Hubbard oh and yeah. his whole crazy Scientology thing which I'm sure. not even going to talk about in here sure. okay so speaking of crazy did you get uh, okay where are you at? go ahead sorry. Eight eighteen fifty. 1850 uh, who, who Am I are getting you ahead about? of you? Eight, I don't know. 1850, the Latter day Saints.
0: Yes, that's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> what about the Russellites?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I must uh, have missed those
0: No, yeah, go ahead. Okay. The Latter day Saints.
1: Latter day Saints, I'm not going to talk a lot about those guys because um, it's debatable as to how Christian that movement really was. Uh, <laughs> so you've got Joseph, uh, what's his name, Smith? Joseph Smith. And his um, visions of. Apocalyptic. Um, well,
0: he he, uh, he he digs up some golden tablets and translates them. Yeah, and the Adam angel Moroni come down and came down yeah. and told him what it was basically. <laughs> so, anyways, basically he starts a, a a movement in Missouri. And, it, well, Adam, it's it's actually up in like Pennsylvania. Oh, well, he he ends up in Missouri. That's right, because that's where Adam and Eve were. Well, that's the Garden of Eden. Well, that's that's his take. But then <laughs> then you've got Brigham Young who says no, no, it was actually in Utah. Utah. So, <laughs> anyways, whatever. Okay, so moving on. Uh, but we have also uh don't forget one of those one of these movements that comes out of the Great Second Great Awakening uh Russell, uh Charles Russell who found this uh awesome publishing company called the Zion Publishing Magazine, Zion Watchtower Ministries. Oh, the JWs.
1: The Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes, that's right. Gotcha. So, man, they're right there with those Latter-day Saints. All and this,
0: this stuff moving around right here. Well, yeah. it makes
1: sense because once they're kind of like Adventism. That's they're right. They're focused on um, apocalyptic on literature. And, right. Okay, so, in uh, 1860, we touched on this last time in our... Um, In our translation discussion, in 1860, the Codex Sinaiticus was discovered at St. Catherine's Monastery by Tischendorf and changed the way translations were done forever, uh, to the good or to the bad, however you see it. Okay, and and in 1860 also was the beginning of the Third Great Awakening. Yes. Now, the Third Great Awakening was neither focused here or there. No, it was <laughs> so, just a
0: small little blip.
1: It wasn't really focused on workings of the church. It really wasn't focused on uh, evangelism. It was focused on socialism. Right. So it, it is uh, social activism was a huge thing. Uh, some significant names that come out of this. Uh, this actually ran for about 100 years, really. Yeah. Uh, because from the 1850s to all the way well i guess 50 years into the 20th century 1900s um so significant names that came out of this movement DL Moody yep uh Ira Sankey and William Booth Catherine Booth those were the founders of the Salvation Army right um uh oh Charles Spurgeon kind of fits into this the YMCA played a huge role in this yes Mary Baker Eddy who did the Christian science Right, that stuff. So uh, you've got okay. And Is then, this
0: Jeremiah the third great awakening? Was this Jeremiah Lamphear? Uh, pray, come and pray.
1: <laughs> okay, so the Catholics are getting jealous because all these great awakenings are happening. We want our own. So they're just like, okay, enough. <laughs> Stop it. We were, <laughs> we were the first. So that's what they do. They in 1854 they have Vatican the first Vatican council, Vatican <laughs> one. Now, <laughs> now, I the, love that. now the Catholics get together and they, they form this council. Wait, is what, what, what's the state again? 1854, 1854. Okay. Yes. So uh, the third rate awakening, this is too much. Yeah. Okay. You're just gone too far. You yeah. Protestants, <laughs> So, uh um, this is
0: the doctrine of the immaculate conception of Mary comes out during this. Yes. This it, is one of the things yes, they believe. Yeah.
1: That's one of the, the immaculate conception became, uh, this is the whole thing. There was a big movement in the, in, uh, the Catholic, uh, church. You guys can have
0: Jesus. We got Mary.
1: Marianism. <laughs> I just love throwing ism on the end of everything. Mary was before Jesus. You Marianites, Mariolites. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> so, great. uh, But here's the main uh, topics that they included was the dogma of papal infallibility. Infallibility. So the Pope cannot make a mistake. Um, Oops. (laughs) I guess we were wrong. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The dogma of papal supremacy. Yes. So that no matter what you understand from the Bible, no matter what you think you understand from the Bible... Pope's got the last word. That's right. Yeah. Okay, and Immaculate Conception of Mary. Yes. And uh, so one of the other things that came out of this was the declaration that Catholicism is the true church. <laughs> so all you people over there in America. You, you don't get it. You don't got it. You don't know what you're doing. Okay, so we're coming in, into the 1900s now. Yeah. So we're getting close. Man, we're moving. We are moving along. That's great. And uh, we're just a little bit late okay so in 1902 the Pentecostal movement so this is wait what the Pentecostal movement
0: all the way up in 1902 Mm -hmm. wow they caught on
1: the train late man and and I'm well I'm assuming that almost all these groups think that they all had roots that existed (laughs) oh yeah going all the way back to Christ (sighs) right um, people started speaking in tongues
0: in 1902 (laughs) I'm
1: not even gonna go there Uh, okay sorry (laughs) Come on, <laughs> come on. I could get people to yell at me. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> American ev- evangelist Reuben Archer Tory, R.A. Tory, R.A. And Charles Alexander conducted meetings in Melbourne, Australia, resulting in more than 8,000 converts. Wow. And so that started this, people wanted to see the miracles. Sure. And, and those, it definitely had an effect. Um, <laughs> yeah. na- 1946. This was the Dead Sea Scrolls. We mentioned that yes. in the podcast as well. Uh, so uh, great thing that that was that happened there that that changed the view of the church. And the last thing that I've got on my list, unless you've got anything else that you want to,
0: I don't know. There's like there's, there's so much that I could cover. G.K. Chesterton in 30, 1936. Uh, Billy Graham. Oh yeah, yeah. We could talk about him. We could talk about Dietrich. It's
1: like, why would you name it Crusades though? I don't know. I was wondering that. Yeah.
0: Well, he Billy Graham, <laughs> um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh yeah, the yeah. whole underground church movement in Germany during the Nazi. And actually, dude, totally awesome dude. You know.
1: And these are all things that that many of our listeners maybe have even lived through so right so yeah we're gonna miss something that you that you hold dear to your heart c.s
0: sure. lewis writes C. the chronicles lewis. of Narnia.
1: oh yes Whoa. so
0: that's good that's good stuff right there francis schaefer i mean only
1: history will tell how many of these things actually shape christianity that's though. right 1962 uh vatican 2 that's what i that was the last thing i got on my okay, list okay go ahead so uh vatican 2 uh, established the dogmatic constitution of the church dogmatic. So constitution. Uh, I, now I was wrong before Vatican two was where they said the Catholic church right. is the only, but they've researched, they've re- uh, phrased that since. Oh yeah. Yes. But, so now it's almost <clears throat> the only,
0: no, what they say is it's close to the only, although the Catholic church is the only church, there can be members of the church unawares in other denominations they just don't realize uh, i got it. it
1: because the word catholic <coughs> means universal. universal that's right so we could be saved so we are in the catholic church that's right it's just not they <laughs> the holy this is the well <laughs> it is the holy catholic church it's just not
0: the... This is the way, if I were a Catholic, this is the way I could claim everybody and win Monopoly.
1: <laughs> I own it all. I win. So, and so that's, uh, yeah, a lot of cool things have happened in our lifetime. Man, there's all kinds of, of cool theologians oh, out there right now. The
0: nine, Like right now, what's happening, I mean, what's happening today is shaping church history. There's a whole movement out there. Um, we had the emergent movement in the early 2000s. Which is kind of like I mean it's almost yeah. hearkening back to the whole. There's nothing new under the sun. There's really nothing new it's, under the sun. Yeah,
1: but. they just keep rebooting these things. That's right. So and 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 you well you know I mentioned before that that uh, one of the things that that Martin Luther said was that uh, grace, salvation through grace, is such a as a gift is is such an unnatural right. teaching, right? That we will always lose it as a people. Yeah. We will always gravitate back to law and and back to works orientation. And so he says, every generation will require someone to stand up and proclaim the gospel through uh, of grace. Amen. Because, uh, we were flawed and we continue to go back. And so it doesn't, it's not surprising that there's nothing new under the sun. Right. We're still fighting the same battles that we've always fought.
0: And every generation there has been somebody that stands up for the truth and, you know, and shifts it. So, you know, it's pretty neat to see where we come from. And it's, it's important for us to look back and see that there's nothing new under the sun. So not to be too critical of the new Mm movements, but also to be informed and to understand, yeah. you know, where this is Yeah, because from.
1: there's lots of things out there. I mean, this Culture. whole spoken word stuff that's yeah. going on. You've you've got the, um oh, you've got the prosperity movement. <laughs> I mean, there's just, you know, it, it, if you go to the podcast, you know what the most searched for podcast in the Christian podcast is? Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. 100%. What? Yeah. Come on. Well, guys. that's... When you can listen to the Theonauts? I you know, listen to I had a, Joel uh, Olstein preach?
0: I had a friend of mine sent me a message the other minute. said, so I'm listening to Joel Steen riding back from, uh, riding back from Oklahoma. He, he didn't, he didn't know my, my take on Joel, but uh, he said, I've been listening to the Joel Steen, man, that guy smiles too much. And I said, yeah, the ignorant smile a lot.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry. So I will take a stand we, on we, that. We are got, and, yeah.
1: We got the opinions flying today. Yeah.
0: It's all right. I, I tell you what, um, I, I heard a, wise pastor once say that the prosperity gospel is almost God's judgment on on Christianity, on Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) If you want that, then I'll give that to you. Mm -hmm. You know, you are
1: what you worship. Exactly. And if you worship gold, if you worship, if you know, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below Uh, a little silver and a little gold, but in that city where the ransom will shine, mm. I want a gold one that's silver-like. <laughs> <light. laughs> I can't even sing that whenever somebody says a song. The books. I mean, the, even the book. Every day a Friday.
0: Dude, whatever. Every day is like a Monday. And it's horrible. <laughs> but you know what? One
1: day. But you can have, you know, the... Today is the new Sabbath, right? According to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. We have an opportunity to be with God every Every day. day. Amen. Every day. We rest in him every day. Yeah. And so
0: maybe so, every day is a Friday. Yeah. It just annoys me. Sorry. Well, or every day is Sunday. Saturday. Saturday or sa-
1: <laughs> wait, Saturday. The, not, the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. day. <laughs> okay. So I think we're, our wheels have come off. Oh, at this seriously,
0: point. but it's so great. I love it.
1: <laughs> the Lord's Day. Okay. So uh there are many ways you guys can talk to us. Yes. Um, what are they, David? Well, one of one of the ways that I mentioned last go around that I want to throw out there again is to go to gctnetwork.com/slash newsletter. Oh wait a minute, or is it slash subscription? Michael's going to kill me. I can't remember. I didn't write it down. Wow. Go to. You G- were supposed t- to make notes. Go on that. to gctnetwork.com and subscribe to the newsletter. That's right. <laughs> you can find it from there. Okay, so go and subscribe to the newsletter. What that will do is that will let you know when we post new episodes. It'll also give you links to our show notes, which will have all kinds of data in there for you to peruse while you're listening or after you're listening. And what did they say? You know, go in there and see. <laughs> so they can call us out on yeah. that.
0: <laughs> so, How dare you say that? I'm not speaking in tongues. Yes, and, right.
1: and do like uh, like Saruman and, uh, right. and tweet us and let us know you know what you think yeah <laughs> uh the, you've also got other ways you can talk to us out there
0: tweet us at, at theonautical
1: yes i'm sorry that's why i didn't try right. or
0: facebook facebook slash theonauts yes you can also call our
1: phone line 972-885-7270 that's 972-885-7270
0: that's right operators are standing by very good like <laughs> us comment whatever let us know you're listening and uh thanks for listening
1: yes thanks for being here jeremiah thanks david god bless you this has been the theonauts podcast call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270 that
0: You are tuned in to the GCT Network.
2: This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com.